Welcome to the Blue Oasis Podcast. This is the podcast for finding peace and prosperity in your life, learning the history of hobbies, as well as making a little side hustle out of your hobbies. If you want to find balance in your life and find peace, this is your show. Get ready. You're listening to the Blue Oasis Podcast. I am your host, Adam Rothstein. All right, let's get to the show. Good morning. How's everyone doing? So, this episode is on voiceovers, voice acting, narrations, and anything audio-related with your voice. Now, to start off, I want to talk about uh, just a little bit about myself, about my experience doing some voice acting and narrating, and then we'll get into the history. So, uh, right now, I have two years experience under my belt of just uh, reading scripts and uh, trying to get some work on uh, Upwork and even Fiverr. It was a tough process at first, but eventually I got the hang of it. Right now, I'm about to put the final touches on my audiobook, Growing the Game. It is an audio version of my ebook, Growing the Game, and you can find it, and you will be able to find it on my website at RothsteinVoiceOvers.com. That is just uh, one uh, phrase, uh, all lowercase, no dashes or anything, just RothsteinVoiceOvers.com. That's spelled R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N-V-O-I-C-E-O-V-E-R-S.com. When I first recorded it, I had the uh, ebook uh, ready to go, and I put it on Amazon and uh, just waited for the uh, sales to roll in. It it took a while for for those sales, but I got uh, two sales under my belt and one on Barnes and Noble. And you have to start somewhere. Uh, that's the thing. Now with the audiobook. Uh, I'm hoping to get that on ACX. Uh, hopefully, I can just get past uh, their hurdles. And uh, yeah, we'll see about that. All right, uh, let's get into the uh, history after that uh, little brief uh, section about myself. So, uh, where do we begin? Originally, the concept of an audiobook was called a talking book. They were originally designed for blind readers in the 1930s. The audiobooks were on records similar to that of the 1950s, but it was just more of an uh, earlier version of that. When the 1970s rolled around and cassettes started to replace records, did people actually start to listen to books on tape and that also became that also elevated the audiobooks to uh, become more popular. Now, when you compare it to today in terms of actually producing an audiobook, they clearly didn't have laptops or 
uh, the Audacity software or Adobe Audition or anything like that? Uh, no. Uh, since computers uh, were in their early uh, infancy uh, or the modern day computer was in its early infant early days, uh, they had to edit the cassettes by tape. Yeah, they actually had to rewind, go back, uh, cu- either cut it out or record over it, and it was very long. So if you're old enough to remember the cassette players, uh, yeah, now imagine going back and rewinding and then recording over that part and uh, doing that over and over and over again when you made a mistake. So if I make a mistake, for example, with this audio segment of this podcast, I can just go back, uh, hit the stop button, and then just delete it, and then go again. But with those earlier cassette tapes, you actually had to go back, rewind, and and start again. You also had to be in the studio as well. I mean, and these studios were not as common as they were today, and the overhead cost was way higher. And it, yeah, it's definitely not like today where you could just go into your closet and record an audiobook from your laptop with a microphone. So let's just be grateful for that for a moment. Now, in the 1960s, there actually were some audio libraries that you could find. For example, the Library of Congress actually did have some audiobooks that uh, people could listen to. With the invention of the Walkman and cassette players being put into cars, particularly the Japanese models, the music industry grew to new heights. This also helped the audiobook industry as people could now go buy a cassette tape for something such as self-improvement or just a mystery novel or anything of the sort. In the early 1970s, instructional recordings were among the first commercial products sold on cassettes. There were eight companies distributing materials on cassettes with titles such as Managing and Selling Companies, 12 Cassettes for $300, and Executive Seminar in Sound on a series of 60-minute cassettes. In libraries, most books on cassettes were still made for the blind handicapped. However, some new companies saw the opportunity for making audiobooks for a wider audience, such as voiceover books, which produced abridged bestsellers with professional actors. So the concept of just recording uh, and certainly with animation, recording your own voice and just putting on a little bit of a show is still was still nothing new, but it still definitely uh, gave listeners the feeling of just you know being a part of the story and and people like to be entertained. I mean, you had the Orson Welles uh, War of the Worlds in 
1938, and people actually thought it was real, and they called their police departments, they called the army, they called everything because they thought it was real. So there was always a market for entertainment uh, what of just simple audio. And just going up to today, uh, you've got audible.com, you've got audiobooks.com, you've got these companies uh, just making bank right now, especially during quarantine, because people are going on runs and they, they can't always be looking down at a book. I mean, even when you're on the subway or you're just driving your car, I mean, people do want to just listen to stuff and they do want the knowledge of a book as well. So there was always a market for it, but it was just during the 70s when it was really discovered. When the 1980s rolled around, things really began to change. You had the Discman come in, uh, Sony's Discman, which was the newer version of the Walkman. It was the Walkman version of the CD. Now, uh, listeners could skip tracks and uh, go forward with the chapters. The only downside to using CDs was that there was no rewind button, so you couldn't sync up to the spot where you wanted to listen to, so you did have to wait through the track. Now, by 1984, there were 11 audiobook publishing companies. They included Cademan, Medicom, Newman Communications, Recorded Books, Brilliance, and Books on Tape. Uh, those were just a few of the uh, companies. Uh, these companies were small, and you know the largest one had uh, about 200 titles. And you're thinking to yourself right now, listening to this, 200 titles? That is so small. Who has only 200 titles? And yeah, it's not like today where you can actually go be a creator on Amazon and just upload it to ACX uh, with a vast, and then ACX or Audible would have a vast amount of titles. Yeah, it, it really wasn't like this. And most people still didn't know that this was a career option or just something that you could do for a passive income. And in some ways, it really was, wasn't uh, for passive income because, you know, you had to go through a lot of hurdles just to record an audiobook. You actually had to be in the city of either New York, Chicago, LA, or some major metropolitan area and and actually have access to a studio and you actually had to rent that out for maybe you know hundreds of dollars at a time and that's and it and it definitely would cost more to produce that audiobook and you may not see that return on investment uh like you would today now before i go any further uh i do want to just uh talk about a little bit of my website and uh, do some ads, even though I'm not sponsored by these companies, these are just ads. So uh, on my website, uh, rothsteinvoiceovers.com, you can find a template uh, for 
you know, to start your side hustle uh, on it, there's going to be a, a blank space for five emails and f- your names and contacts, and and that's going to give you guidance. Also, there's going to be a PDF uh, cover letter for Upwork.com. Uh, so if you want to get on Upwork.com, uh, be a voice actor, or just do something else, you definitely can do that, and you can definitely edit that, download that, both of them for free, and uh, also feel free to check out uh, my ebook as well while you're there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I know you, and you're probably saying to yourself, how am I going to afford this Christmas? Well, uh, that's where honey comes in. So go to joinhoney.com and install that on all your internet browsers, uh, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Explorer, uh, Oracle, whatever you're using, uh, just go download that to save you money. I used that uh, about the other day and saved about 10% on checkout order at Wix.com. So definitely uh, go pick yourself up pick up that and put it on your Chrome browser. Browser. Um, oh, Wikibuy is another one you should uh, pick up. Uh, same process. Uh, definitely just go Google that and uh, yeah, just do that there. Okay, we've got Wikibuy. And finally, we have Skillshare.com. Guys, uh, I would have not been able to do what I do today without Skillshare.com. Skillshare.com has everything you need from learning how to produce an audiobook to drone flying to copywriting to mastering Microsoft Office. You name it, they got it. So whatever skill you want to build, you'll find it at Skillshare.com. Sign up now and get your first two months for free. All right, let's get back to it. Now, during the 90s, things really began to elevate. You had uh, broadband internet come out and audible.com actually began in the 90s as well. So in 1997, Audible pioneered the world's first mass market digital media player named the Audible Player. It retailed for 200 Dollars held two hours of audio and was touted as being smaller and lighter than a Walkman, the popular cassette player used at the time. So, Audible.com did actually. So, Audible actually uh, really did innovate. You know what their company actually was. You know it was it was a little smaller, but I mean it it was still a physical product, but and then eventually they would uh, innovate to what we have today with the internet and being able to put your own audiobook on there. Audible.com began in 1998. Digital audio books could be purchased through there, and at the time they were not owned by Amazon because Amazon was just a really small company. Uh, definitely compared to what we have today with the everything store 
And Amazon at the time was just selling only physical books. So Audible was just an independent company uh, before uh, Amazon bought them out. The 2000s uh, were a different era. The Zeros decade, as I like to call it, uh, had iTunes and the iPod from Apple. Listeners now had a new form of music. Being able to play your music uh, without physical discs or cassettes was brand new. Everyone wanted a new iPod in the early part of that decade. They wanted to, they got up to 250 songs on it and they thought, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever. What else can we do with this? Now, people in the early 2010s and even in the late 2000s were putting out their own original content on iTunes. They had their own music and everything of the sort. And and some people even put audiobooks in the iTunes store. They were able to get it on there. And even today, you can still find an audiobook on iTunes as well. By having this feature on iTunes, by giving people the ability to post content, they had that passive source of income and people certainly were more creative and people didn't need the uh, to go to the uh, studio to actually record. They could do it in their closet. They could do it wherever and just make the new musical notes. And with the advancement in computers, it certainly made it all the more easy. Today, you can, you don't even need audible.com. You can actually post your audiobook on your own website and sell it. You could code your own website. You could use wix.com like what I used or Squarespace or, or any other drag and drop site and just sell your audiobook. So now I do want to discuss the what you can do to become a voice actor or narrator. So here's the thing. It's it is difficult certainly when you are trying out new accents and just want to keep the script and yes, uh I definitely uh lose my touch at times. I lose my place. I say the wrong word or I say things like what you have heard in the earlier part of the podcast, like I'll just miss a word or I'll just mispronounce a word. And yes, even the masters of narrating audiobooks do this at times. In addition to narrating, uh, one of the key components is that yeah, you have to bring a certain passion to the book. And for me, I don't always know what the tone needs to be. And certainly with the nonfictions, you can actually just put a little more passion into it and you're not going off a script of characters and you can have more of that drive as well. But sometimes you need to keep it down, certainly with a depressing moment in a story or a sad moment in a story. 
you need to keep that tone down and then you need to raise it up and and it's not easy but uh for me i consider it to be worth it now when you go on upwork or fiverr uh i would say start off small just start off with your lower price um of of five dollars or just let people know that you're a beginner um as well and you may get uh passed up um but if you really are confident and you're reading something every day out loud uh you're definitely gonna go far as well uh so just practice that heck uh part of this podcast i actually read a few uh, paragraphs uh, just to help me get through it. I mean, you can find uh, certain ways to practice every day. I mean, even reading instructions out loud is definitely a help if you want to become a narrator. Uh, Just, yeah, because there is a certain way you need to deliver that to the person if you're just building something with uh, a friend of yours from like let's say a piece of furniture from IKEA or or you just need to look over something of downloading a piece of software for your computer yeah you may want to just read that out loud just to get some practice and 30 minutes a day of just reading out loud even of a novel Uh, gets you better prepared when you go into the studio or go into your closet and just really delivering that voice. On Upwork.com, when you do go there, you are going to want to have that cover letter. And once again, you can find that on my website. I will leave that in the show notes for you. So just check that out again. And, and once again, even if you don't, uh, get the jobs right away, just do something else. Uh, Do data entry just to get used to producing, uh, a product for a client. Just even that, uh, will just help you get used to, uh, producing that service and getting the, uh, product to your client. Now, there is a big difference between Fiverr.com and Upwork.com. The thing with Upwork.com is that you need a certain number of connects to actually submit a proposal to potential clients. You can purchase these for about a buck fifty, even up to ten dollars, ten, twenty bucks. And and that actually is a bit of a downside to it, but in order to seek out those uh, clients, you need the connects. Now, on Fiverr.com, you don't have connects, but you but you also can't uh, seek out uh, clients in, unless you know them personally or have their email address. Can you actually seek them out? But if you're going on there for the first time, you just need to wait a while and uh, and actually just submit. Uh, wait for their them to submit and find you. And it is a really tough market on Fiverr.com, especially if you're new. And I would still recommend Upwork even if you're, even with the connects. And you do get your first set of connects 
for free when you sign up as well over there. So, so, and it's only a dollar fifty uh, for the cheap version of Connects. I think you get about 10, 12 Connects or maybe about 15 Connects uh, or like, it's like 10 cents a Connect. Now for me, I have my own website and I still use Upwork.com and and still um, uh, seek out clients as well. And I'm actually going to put a little email campaign together later today and uh, submit that to my uh, potential clients. And hopefully I will pick up someone and I'll teach them the basics or I will do some voiceover work for them. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully uh, next episode I can get an interview. I am still in the process of trying to get someone on here. So, hey, if you liked what you heard today, uh, please rate this. Uh, Definitely consider donating. So there is a link uh, to donate in the show notes. Rate this on iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you may listen to this. Uh, Five stars there and and definitely subscribe and tell people what you're listening to. Definitely, you should definitely do that. Uh, tell them to share the show. If you want a little bit brief of history and a little bit of guidance on starting your hobby uh, side hustle, uh, this is definitely your show. So until next time, stay safe, stay great, and I'll talk to you then.